Hello, I'm Rachel Adadeji and welcome to The Power of Empathy, a podcast that talks about parenting and how to develop empathy from a young age. Today, we will take a look at how to give children the best skills for the future, why social skills are so important and what to do when it's all going pear-shaped. Brought to you by Barbie. In this episode, we're going to be chatting about empathy, how to spend more time in imaginary worlds and tips and tricks for how to get through those nightmarish days when your kids aren't having any of it. Barbie and Cardiff University partnered on a neuroimaging study, which found that dull play activates parts of the brain that allows children to develop empathy and social processing skills. The findings show the major benefits of playing with dolls, even when a child is playing alone. When your kids are creating these make-believe worlds, they get to rehearse the social skills they need in later life. So we're going to look at how to make the most of that and intentionally build empathy as a parent. It's been a challenging year for all of us and parents have had to be teacher and parent while many support networks and activities have fallen away. Well, it's been quite a ride. Understandably, the pandemic has brought with it new anxieties and 70% of parents are now worried about how their child's development will be affected, according to a global survey by One Poll. We're here to talk about just that. So I am delighted to be joined by educational psychologist Dr. Michelle Borba and author of Unselfie, Why Empathetic Kids Succeed in Our All About Me World, and journalist Victoria Richards, who writes about parenting and is an author of children's books. Hey, ladies. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Thank you for joining me. So I want to understand when we're talking about empathy, what does that actually mean? And I'm going to ask you first, if you don't mind, Dr. Borba. As an educational psychologist, I've worked all over the world and I am convinced that empathy is absolutely the core skill that every one of our kids needs for so many different reasons. I think it matters so much for their happiness, their mental health, their academic success. But I think the most important thing to keep in mind is that too often we think it is soft and fluffy. It's not. It's transformational. We know that it actually helps our kids be less likely to bully, and it really is the best antidote we have to to hate and racism. And it's not locked into DNA. It can be cultivated. And one of the best ways to do it is through play. Yeah, I'm going to agree with all of that. I think I want my kids to be empathetic above all things. I want to give them that foundation at a really early age. I won't say that I'm not bothered about their academic success. But to be honest, I am much more concerned that they are happy and that they are kind and caring at this age, at this at this point in their lives, than pr- probably anything else. Because I think empathy helps kids relate to others. It helps them build their social networks. It helps them become independent, confident. Um, it can help them problem solve. It can help them navigate the kind of shark-infested waters of the playground at lunchtime. Um, I think it just you know, gives them the, as Dr. Bulba said, the foundation to become healthy, happy, successful adults in all forms of life. I think it's just so vital. Yeah, I agree. I agree, definitely. And I think my my parents, bless them, they've done such an amazing job with me and my sisters. I feel like they've kind of, they've built that sort of empathy in us because I feel like as we've gotten older, you know, we just want to make sure everyone's happy and everyone's okay. And I feel like that's something that you do get from a child and, you know, as, as children, and that can come with, with child's play and using your imagination and sort of, you know, sort of exploring that sort of world. So I totally get that. I kind of, um, 
trying to do the same with my daughter in that sense, showing that sort of empathetic side. So yeah, it's an incredible trait that, you know, that we all sort of have in, in us really. And, and you, Victoria, why do you think that it's important, like in terms of sort of social skills, you know, through their school life, etc.? Why do you think that in particular? <laughs> Um, I just see it all the time. I mean, my um, kids have gone back to school this week for the first time in six months. Um, my daughter's gone into year four. My son's just started. He's in reception. Aww. And, you know, on day one, my little girl, who's eight, came home and I said, oh, oh, how was school today? And the first thing she picked out of the day, it wasn't her new teacher. It wasn't um, lunch, you know, how it was to be back after lockdown. She said, oh, um, so-and-so. And she named three kids and three girls in her year. She said, oh, they wouldn't let me play with them because they said they were having um secret time it it just really highlights the a full school day the the impact of being back after six months during um the pandemic and what is the one thing that bothers a child and it's the interpersonal relationships that they have within that school environment it's how we feel and how we interact with like our peers is is just vital to our own happiness and i want her to be a happy kid and i think it's it's just you know encouraging them to be kind. That's why I seem to say that, like on a broken as a broken record. And we can't control that outcome, can we? All we can do is give them the tools to use, and then send them off to yeah. put them into into practice. Yes, 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 to that <laughs> one. Because I think we all agree that this is so critical. Mm. Empathy matters. Our kids are hardwired to connect with one another. Victoria, you just described exactly what it is on a day to day basis. What's in a little one's mind? Mm. I just want friends. I want them to like me. But the best thing about empathy is that it's also made up of skills, like social skills, and all of them can be teachable. It's not like we do it tonight at six o'clock, so we're going to learn how to get along. But if we keep adding that to our parenting agenda and we keep weaving it in, Actually, it's made up of social skills, like looking at someone and going, how, how is he feeling? Emotional literacy, learning how to share, how learning how to give and take, learning how to solve a problem. And the best thing about empathy is that the best way to teach all of those, you don't need a PhD or another program, you can do it through play, but you can also do it through modeling. Because the best way kids learn skills is if we show it, not tell it. So they see it and they copy it. And that's why it's wonderful. It's it's a womb-to-tomb scenario. That's how long mm. empathy takes. We can keep doing it. But we've got to add it to our parenting plate, particularly now because our kids have been exposed to social distancing. And we just need to take it up a little bit. Okay, so I wanted to talk about um, single doll play because I'm a mum to an only child and you know, uh, she's amazing. And I absolutely love watching her play with dolls. We've got quite a few and, and, and a variety of different genders and races, and it's incredible. But I've noticed that because she's an only child, all she wants to do is play with me. And it's great. But you know, sometimes she just plays alone. And it's fantastic. She'll get all her dolls together. And I can hear her speaking to them. And I wanted to ask you, Dr. Borba, sort of how do I encourage that sort of single doll play because a lot of the times mummy and daddy can't play with her. I know it's sort of hard, but I'm also like, I can't give you another sibling right now. <laughs> I've got things to do. <laughs> but um, yeah, what what's sort of your take on that? <laughs> Oh, that's the question that every mom in the world is asking right now because we're trying to work at home and do it all. But here's the big secret. Think of this whole thing as a rubber band. 
you gently stretch your child's attention span without snapping. So when you're two, your goal is if they can do it for two minutes, do it for three minutes the next day. Sometimes at, at age two, they play right next to you. And then you gently keep stretching her and stretching her until she's further and further away. But the key that you want to do also is just role model it how to play by yourself Sometimes just sitting next to her, you playing the doll, until she knows how to do it by herself. And voila, what you're actually doing is stretching this glorious capacity, not just empathy, but independence. And that's what you're aiming for. Someday your child can, you know, play all by herself, act all by herself, and be all by herself. That'll take a while, but that's what you do. I um, I tested this out over lockdown. What I found... Rachel, kind of worked for my kids was having a sort of an emotional check-in with them first. So I gave them kind of special time, like uninterrupted special time with your kids, even if it's for five or 10 minutes. And I did that with each of them. And I found that it kind of set their like emotional thermostat. And then once I'd done that, I said, right, mummy needs to um, do some work now. So off you go. And then they were happily sort of skipping off and playing. Victoria, it's brilliant. Brilliant. Because what we now know is also our children are able to play by themselves when they feel soothed, mm. when they feel calm, when they know they've had our attention because they love us dearly and they want to make sure that, that we bonded together. That's a good point. I'm going to take that one, Victoria. I'll just yeah. wear her out yeah, with all my energy <laughs> and then just go, right, I'm done. <laughs> um, so in regards to... This lockdown and pandemic, I can't lie, it's been so easy for me to just say, okay, take my iPhone, take the iPad, go and sit down, <laughs> any form of tablet, just because I'm like, I need a break. And um, how does the tablet sort of affect a child's empathy in that sense. What we do know is that the longer our kids look down at a screen, the lower their empathy levels go. You learn it by looking face to face at another person. Yeah. You learn that with each other. And we, we now know is that you also learn that through play. Like playing with a doll, like Barbie, is an incredible opportunity. We now know from research that actually it ignites our children's compassion abilities because little ones learn to play through their life by interacting and role playing. And that's why the perfect scenario is not a tablet, but a doll. A doll. Sit down with your child, listen to where he or she is coming from, play act it out. Oh, look at how Skipper's feeling today. How would you feel if somebody did that to you? Oh my gosh, how was your day? You pretend you're Barbie and you act out and tell mommy what it's looked like. Oh my gosh, children open up and it becomes this glorious opportunity to find out where they are. But you do that only in real life, real life scenarios and play. Yeah. And what about you, Victoria? Um, as you said, you know, as working parents and homeschooling parents now, as we've all become during lockdown, it's really, really difficult. Mm. Um, but but I was just listening to Dr. Borber and thinking about how when I reflect on the past six months, I do know that my kids have had more screen time than, than they would have done on a normal uh, kind of, you know, daily basis. But... 
the times that I think that they have really had a lot of joy and fun together and it really is through through role play games so for example one of the yeah. most fun games they had all through lockdown which did involve me they um, decided that every lunchtime they would pretend that they were going on a day trip to somewhere that they called Waterland they were just role playing going into a canteen <laughs> and I had to be the waitress I had to present them with their menu and they complained about the service <laughs> and they left me a 2p tip <laughs> but it's role play isn't it and then you know what you mentioned dolls and that has again been a real eye-opener for me because people assume that it's girls that play with dolls so I've really consciously tried to address um that kind of socialization of gender with my kids and my son will spend hours playing with building blocks while my daughter's playing with dolls but they'll constantly switch it around and my daughter will build a tower using little blocks and then my son will go and play with dolls he has some action figures as well as barbie dolls actually and he will play with all of them he'll get them all together in like this big gang it's almost like a doll rave he creates like this big sort of party and they're all talking to each other and he'll sit there for, for like an hour on his own mm. putting voices to all the figures that's how they learn and understand life that's mm. the best way that they learn empathy playing with dolls particularly for a boy is so incredible just talking about how are you feeling how do you think your doll's feeling mm. because when they have that doll in their hand they're also more likely to talk it through and share things with us that they wouldn't do just face to face. Mm. Does that stand true with um, like if, if a child has a problem? I'm sure I've read that you can actually kind of listen in to the way they're talking through doll play, for example, and that can be a window into their sort of inner emotional world. Is that true? Absolutely. And I think that's just one of the greatest secrets. If you sit down and just tune in and listen, you will hear the window of what's going on inside your child's world. And that'll help you be able to use the greatest parenting tool you could possibly use. Because worries, if we don't help our kids talk it through, become embedded, and then their stress and their anxiety build. Same with us. Mm. Okay, yeah. Um so so I'm going to I'm going to talk um about something ever so slightly different. Now, you might have various dolls as well, Victoria, with mm. your children in terms of, you know, gender and race and stuff. And I think for me why it was important to get as many Barbies as possible was because as well being a family of mixed heritage, I wanted her to sort of understand and know that, you know, not that that's the only reason because I'm sure you probably have various races dolls within your family, even if you don't have that. You know, I think it's just important for kids mm. to see anyway. But my question to you is, do you have any advice for um, interracial families in terms of how do we sort of educate our children enough to know that, okay, this is where mummy and da mommy is from, daddy is from. And I don't really want to sit and have this discussion with her in a formal way if you know what I mean I don't want to say see mummy's black daddy's white so you're mixed race and you know my question is, is is there a way to do that and if so how do you think the best way is to do that with the dolls because that's something that I have been really thinking about I love your question Rachel young children choose dolls because they kind of look like me and that's absolutely wonderful and we don't need to equate it they just choose automatically but a wonderful part about empathy just to know and keep in the back of your mind for the rest of your life is that our goal is to stretch our kids from me to we because empathy is feeling, understanding differences around the world. And one of the best ways is through dolls. So we start giving our children different kinds of dolls with skin colors or genders or disabilities. And then 
first of all, they're now going to feel more comfortable playing with different dolls that are different than themselves. And after a Mm. while, when they get a little older and they start seeing somebody as, oh, he's different or he's got a different skin color or she's in a wheelchair, you flip it. Okay. Mm. Yes, he may have a different color skin or yes, she has a different color eyes. But now let's find out what you have in common. Once kids begin to see their commonalities, they begin to open up. And that's what we're really trying to do in terms of empathy is raise kids who think we, not me. And it's, but it's a parent's responsibility, right? Dr. Borba and Rachel, I think. Absolutely it is. We have to provide the tools for our kids to, to develop that open-mindedness, don't we? Like, you know, both my kids are white, but if I only buy them white dolls or allow them to be bought white dolls and I'm not doing my job. Exactly. And the other thing is watch the books that you read to your children. It's our responsibility. It's a diverse world our kids are being raised in and we've got to help our kids feel comfortable with all kinds of differences because that's what the world is. I think you're so right and it is our responsibility. I mean, I'd like to think that my husband and I do a pretty good job in that sense. I mean, she's got this one doll and it's a it was a black doll, a black female doll. So she saw this doll and she said, oh, this is my favorite. And I said, oh, really? That's amazing. She said, it's a brother with no. boobies. And I was Aww. like, and I just was like, this is incredible <laughs> because of how diverse it's becoming. It's like sort of showcasing that side so that maybe other females may want to look like that and may, may feel like they do look like that and also don't necessarily feel the sort of stereotype of what the females should look like. And I think that's incredible that we have that access to dolls at such a young age. By the time she's 10 or 11 and and in big school, she's not having to have questions from other kids like, why do you look like that? And why do you speak like that? And, you know, unfortunately, that's what I got growing up. And it's great. It's like, that's what we want ultimately for everyone to sort of just mm. feel included and, and inclusive, and you know. You know, one of the fastest thing you can do when your kids get a little older is every time you hear in your family somebody say uh, one of those huge bias statements like all homeless are or all Chinese are or all girls are, you do check that. You just simply say, well, check that. And you'll stop the bias before it goes into a stereotype, before it goes into the hate, before it goes into the racism. Mm. That's what we're all about. That's powerful. Mm. Yeah, it's very interesting when we were like speaking about like sort of like being in um, interracial families and like the mm-hmm. importance of that. And like, because obviously my my partner's white and his family's white. And obviously now they've got a, a black grandchild in the family it's like now having to understand that side of it so she she goes to her grandma's house a lot and it's fantastic because she's got all these like different dolls like a brown baby and like my partner's mum will often say I, I got you a brown baby and she looks like you and Aww. and like even though she doesn't fully understand it I just think it's so incredible that sort of that's her normal because like I said growing up I didn't have that all my dolls were mm. white Times are changing, like in that generation, and then hopefully the generation after that, it will just be their normal to sort of embrace various cultures. Mm. And I think that's so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd love to talk about open dialogue with our kids and what sort of questions we can ask children to help us discover what's going on in their minds. So, what's the best place to start to understand if your child is struggling with mental well being? Ah, that is the question that every parent is concerned about right now. And research is saying that our kids' anxiety and stress is going up. One thing that we can do, 
you watch them a little closer without them knowing you're watching. But what you're looking for to know if your child is really suffering from mental health or stress, and a lot of them are, is a change, a change from their typical normal. Now, every kid's going to have a bad day, so don't go thinking that, oh my gosh, Tuesday, it's everything's gone. But what you're looking for is a change that lasts. Are you seeing, for instance, a child who's who used to be Little Miss Sunshine is now clingy, or a child who's always a little more anxious, or his feet are going a little quicker, or he's not sleeping as well. In fact, I would suggest every parent do one little thing. If you're concerned, just write it down. Start tracking it. Then you can do some other things. The second thing I would strongly suggest is we just start talking naturally different kinds of feeling words like frustrated and worried. Kids need the words to be able to express how they're feeling. You can do that when they're playing with dolls. Any kind of doll will do that. They can do that with teddy bears. They can do that with anything. But you're trying to get an inside look at how your child is is faring. And then you can figure out, so what do I do about it? It's interesting because I think also we probably have do pay or try and pay more attention to ourselves as well as mm-hmm. mirrors because what I've noticed is that I'll be going about the house doing something normal like getting dinner or I don't know unpacking the shopping and one or the other of my kids and it is both of them even though my son is quite young uh, will sometimes say oh mummy why have you got that sad face or why have you mm-hmm. got that grumpy face and oh. I won't even have registered that I'm displaying any any sort of emotion I'll be thinking about something or perhaps I am worried about something or sad about something but I don't realize that I'm projecting that to my kids but rather than shutting that conversation down I think it's really important that we keep an open dialogue and then you know I say sorry a lot at the end of every day I find myself doing it on a daily basis I'll say oh I'm sorry I was so grumpy today but but I think it's just that kind of um admitting that we have feelings and that it's okay to have feelings and being as open with them as possible I'm like so excited because the first thing to empathy is the child has to be able to read you or themselves, and then they need the words. But the next thing, I love the term resilient. Resilient Mm. kids are made, not born. And if there's anything Mm. that we, they need right now is coping skills. So one of the things that every parent may want to do right now in their house is create a calm down corner and have your kids create it with you. What's that mean? Mm. It means you just gather things in any place in your house, even under your dining room table is absolutely fine pillows, books, soothing music, dolls, teddy bears, glitter jars. What you'll discover is that each child will go to one thing to help them calm down. But you can do the same thing because after a while, your kids will go, mommy, you need to go to the calm down corner. (laughs) Give each other permission. Um, Is this a kind of alternative to a classic naughty step? You know, where parents or time out step where parents yeah. might uh, lean towards punishment if a kid is overexcited or or throwing a bit of a tantrum. It sounds like a really lovely, positive spin on that. Uh, you're, uh, my, my head is nodding up and down. You can't see it. I'm going, mm. yes, yes, yes. Because here's the other thing that we may be doing wrong. We have got to add that to our plate because it's going to be a very uncertain world beyond COVID. What if our kids um, were playing with dolls quite aggressively then? Should we stop it? Should we let them play it out? How would we deal with something like that? 
You're better off sometimes to just watch from a distance and then calmly, the key is your voice and your whole being needs to be calm when you approach the child because how you act right then is what your child mirrors. They need that calmness. Maybe you can sit down side by side. Are you having a tough day? Help your child put the words to express it. And very often what they do is they turn and they open up and they share. And oh my gosh, what a gold mine that is. I think that's so important. And I'm glad you said that because I actually am a big culprit in sort of maybe snapping if I see that like my daughter's doing something like that I might find inappropriate or, or naughty. And I'm like, right, that's enough now go to the naughty step. And it's like, and I don't realize I'm doing it, but then it's not until, well, maybe she like, for example, the other day she said to me, mommy, you were shouting at daddy, you need to go on the naughty step. And I was like, oh my God. And I thought, wow, like, she's such a sponge. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, they are sponges. They are extraordinary sponges. But you've also said something that was so wonderful. And that is, sometimes we forget to recognize what our signs are. If we can manage our own stress, it doesn't spill over to our kids. And it actually is the fastest way to help our kids be calmer and cooler. So maybe the takeaway here is... Let's work on ourselves so we can help our kids be strong and resilient. Because kids need to feel soothed and safe and they need to feel secure. I managed to somehow intercept a like a DEFCON 1 style <laughs> tantrum the other day about about a chocolate roll. <laughs> My son was going mad because he'd already had he'd already had like his sort of sweet dessert and he wanted another chocolate roll. And I said no and he just lost his temper. He's just started school, so I was aware that there might be some behavioural changes. And he went and stomped off and was crying and flailing around. And I just went towards him, asked him, Do you want to cuddle? And he did, and it calmed him down immediately. And I know it won't always work, but I just thought it's so easy sometimes to kind of react angrily. But sort of if you push yourself to do it, do the other, the opposite, then it can sort of have surprising results, it seemed to me. Yeah, it's actually our, our voice tone is the fastest way we escalate or decrease the temper mm. tantrum. What what other sort of tips do you have um, for families sort of to be able to openly discuss mental health? I think the first thing is let it give permission to be able to talk about it is absolutely wonderful. The thing that a kid needs to know is that we feel it as well, that we're not omnipotent. We're really having the same issues and we're not perfect. It's really not these huge discussions about depression and anxiety and stress, but little mini chats along the way. And they become these openers for kids to be able to to finally verbalize, I'm feeling that downtime today. And what about sort of giving children responsibility and asking them to care for others? How would you sort of go about that? People who give and not get are actually happier more uh, empathic because they've had that responsibility. When you're little, it means nothing more than, oh, your brother looks sad. What can you do to make him feel better? You can play and act out with dolls as well. Your doll, pretend your doll feels sad. What can you do to make her feel better? So you give kids ideas. That's the first thing. The second thing is you keep adding responsibilities at an early age. But can you help mommy? you know, set the table. Can you help your brother tie his shoes? What we've discovered is that one of the most miraculous ways to open up a child's heart is to help them think about another person, to step outside their shoes. And that's how we make uh, the world a better place as well as our kids better. 
So when we give our kids dolls to play with, even if they are on their own, those crucial parts of their brain are being activated and they are learning. Are children becoming more cooperative and better collaborators through this play as well as being socially prepared for the future? What do you think, Victoria? I think I can definitely see that kids that are able to play together seem happier right and I, and I think what's really interesting about the the results of the study that we've been discussing is that playing with a doll alone brings as many benefits as playing with a playmate so that stands to reason that you know cooperation and collaboration in person is the outcome and and kids are actually practicing that skill even if they're on their own even if they're a single uh, sorry an only child even if they're stuck at home indoors because it's lockdown so this is really such a relevant study for parents at the moment so this should I think give us as parents a lot of hope and reassurance but I also think as parents we sometimes dismiss Mm. this kind of play Mm -hmm. um, because we think it we I, I guess maybe we naturally think oh it's not educational it's not teaching them anything and by that we mean it's not I don't know teaching them maths or it's not teaching them stem subjects but the results of a of a study like this you know and we've all talked right at the beginning of this podcast about how important we think empathy is and socializing mm. with people effectively and communicating our feelings and being happy what we're really saying is that we want our kids to be happy and yeah. it seems to me that it it's obvious really that this this kind of play leads to that it's like the best possible outcome i'd much rather my kids play with dolls now than sit for hours staring at a screen yeah definitely it seemed to help us anyway because we didn't have that option with the Mm. tablets and you know constantly staring at these you know variety of shows but so I definitely think that's important Mm. thank you so much for joining me Dr Borba and Victoria it's been such an informative talk I've loved learning about how we can shape early life experiences to give our kids emotional resilience for the future and my daughter will be back from nursery in like 10 minutes so I'm gonna go get the Barbie dolls out (laughs) and do my own good timing (laughs) Well, yeah, great timing, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so thank you. I've really enjoyed this chat, actually. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, then please do share with your family and friends. And can you also give us a cheeky little five-star rating? Only if you like. You have been listening to The Power of Empathy, brought to you by Barbie.